Hey, everybody, before we get into today's podcast with Both, I wanted to just make a quick call to action for you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, always is a nice help when you get the podcast delivered right to you um, in iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Um, that would be really helpful for us. Um, we know that this is kind of a, a very strange time um, with everything going on around the world and the coronavirus keeping people potentially quarantined in their house or just wanting to stay away and socially distancing themselves. And also it's a very strange time because there's no live sports, uh, a lot less to maybe watch on TV. Um, I know I've already had the knee jerk reaction of wanting to put on a game and uh, having nothing to watch. Um, I would suggest that you listen to some of our old podcasts instead of watching TV or binge watching a show. Um, Our last 13 podcasts are all evergreen. Um, You can listen to them really at any time. Uh, Both and I have researched 10 different English clubs. And if you have not listened to those, I would recommend going back and listening to them. Um, And then we've also uh, built a starting 11 using those 10 teams. Uh, Today we are talking about our five favorite games that any of those clubs have ever played, uh, which was a lot of fun to do. And uh, so we would just encourage you to give our podcast a listen, uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about them. And also I just want to give one quick plug for uh, my my website as well, which is called stayhomehusband.com. just spelled it like spell it like you mean it. So stayhomehusband.com. And um, I do a bunch of writing there. Um, I also house some imperfect game podcast stuff um, on that website. So for instance, if you did like this podcast and you were interested in maybe going and watching some clips from some of the games that we talk about, um, I will have some links up um, on the show notes only on stayhomehusband.com. So go and check those out. Some uh, some really great clips from old games, from more recent games. And uh, and also just kind of look around the website. I'd love you to read my stuff, uh, sign up for the newsletter or whatever else. Um, but without any further ado, I want to get to Both and myself talking about the five greatest games that we believe these 10 clubs that we researched have ever played. Um, It's a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Please be safe, be healthy, be thoughtful, um, and let's all look after one another. Welcome to the Imperfect Game Podcast. I'm Sean Melia, joined by Both. Both, how are you out there? Uh, I'm good, I'm healthy, I'm washing my hands. You know, doing my thing. Yeah, every, just 20 seconds. Wash your hands. Yeah. Yeah, just spend spend two minutes a day washing your hands, and you'll be all right. I think the, the, length, the length of washing your hands is like, sing the Chip Buddy song as you wash <laughs> and You're good. The, uh, the, Sheffield, the Sheffield Wednesday, John Denver remix, that's a great, yeah. that's a, that's a great one. <laughs> You know, I mean, who thought that the chip buddy would save lives? Yeah. <laughs> I love that you have to get it in every time now. It's just a good thing, I think. It's I mean, like, like, what other meal has featured on GQ? <laughs> Sam Allardyce and Greasy Chip Buddies yeah. have, to, have to come out, come up on every podcast. So 
We, uh, we're doing a podcast right now that, given the fact that the sports world has come to a screeching halt, unlike I would imagine any other time in our, in our history, outside of maybe the two world wars, um, there's no games being played. And we, before all of this uh, coronavirus stuff had really launched itself into, into our lives, we had decided we were going to go and come back to the podcast with our five best games or five games that we would have wanted to attend um, that have been played by uh, the teams that we've researched in this little 10, 10 part series that we did. So mm. we're, we're, we're doing evergreen podcasts over here. So yeah. if you, uh, if you're looking for, if you're looking for some more sports uh, stuff and you're, you're just jonesing for, for some, for some history, uh, about soccer, please go back and listen to our other podcast. We've got, I think this is our 13th now in the can um, that we've done on this series. So there's plenty of stuff for people to listen to if they haven't listened to any, and this is your first one. Um, so to give us a listen, we'd appreciate it. So we, we've got five. Um, I've got my five. You've got your five. We have no idea what games we picked. We have no idea how we picked them. Um, so do you want to just quickly explain the process that you went through to first off find games, because as we know, these clubs are extremely old. Right. Um, so to, to think about 10 teams and um, you know, more than a hundred years of history per team, we're looking at like a thousand years of history. That's right. so many games. Um, so what did you do to kind of boil it down and how did you then find five that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I think my first step really was just trying to remember our conversation and remember what exactly what our idea was. So it was five five games and um, just in history that we would have liked to just be at or attend live. And I kind of just imagined myself stepping into this like time machine and saying, okay, if I could, you know, be in any one moment um, or in the stands for any one of these moments, like what what would have been cool to see. And I think for me, a lot of my search search processes started with like um, rosters of all these teams and look, looking at like just historic and kind of famous rosters from all these games and seeing which which names pop up, which names kind of like oh wow like that's that's definitely someone I want to I want to see live play. Um, and then from that, like just to kind of I don't know funnel all the information on the internet into one, something that's like digestible. I just typed in famous matches, uh, of each team, um, that I needed help on. Uh, but for some reason I just didn't, I didn't need that really just because of either the team being already interesting and having a pretty clear, uh, history and another, which is more like, like, I remember from our, our past podcast of, you know, Wolves um, having a pretty cool story with their floodlights uh, that, that I'll get into later. Um, Southampton having some pretty cool roster names that I, I want, I'd want to see live. So it, it was pretty straightforward for me. It was tougher than I think other, other podcasts that we've done. But I think in a lot of ways, um, some of the research that we've already done just set, set us up for our success. So that's, it's interesting that you picked players because I really did seek out moments, um, and teams. Um, so I knew my, before I even sat down to research, I had a pretty good, um, idea of what my 
top game was going to be. Um, and from there, I just started, I kind of went through and did the same thing where I looked, looked for websites that might have, uh, you know, best games in, in the team's history. I went back and looked at best FA Cup matches um, mm-hmm. and kind of went through and saw if I could find games that maybe I remember watching um, or games that had popped up on our research that were, that had stood out, um, that had stood out anyways. But when you say, sorry, when you say moments, what do you mean moments? You mean like kind of like big goals or like trophy moments? Trophy moments, bigger games. Um, okay. I, I tried to picture myself being a fan of each one of these teams and being in the crowd for the particular game. Um, so games that might have had like a, a, a big comeback in a, in a final or semifinal kind of atmosphere. Um, and just imagining being in the stadium for when, you know, your team's down a couple goals and they come back and win an FA cup. Um, so, or scoring a very late goal, um, and got a couple, we also were, you know, we went outside. So I've got a couple games from, I think I have one European game and Mm -hmm. everything else is, is within England. I got, I have one premier league game and, Uh, a couple cup finals and and a cup semifinals. So yeah, so that's I I went more for like the whole, I guess not necessarily moments, but when you th- when you say players, I didn't really look at it or even care about which players I was going to go see. I was more thinking if I was a Leeds fan, what game would I want to be in the stands for and also trying to figure out would I want to be in Ellen Road? Um there were games that Leeds was on the was away. Would it be more fun to be an away traveling fan uh, for yeah. for an important game? Um, so I kind of tried to I put myself in the shoes of the fan of of each of these teams and try to figure out which games would I walk out remembering um, and wanting to tell people about and you know twenty years down the road saying I was at that game, yeah, and, and people being jealous of me for being at that game. Okay, um, yeah. So that's that's what I that's what I went for. And it was, it was really, it was really challenging because there are probably so many really great games that are baked into a, you know, holiday, holidays run through December and January where a team wins, you know, a Southampton beats, I don't know, Liverpool or Manchester United or something two to one. And you just like, those games don't, those games are very hard to find unless you, uh, talk to actual fans, um, and, and ask them about certain days and certain games. So that was the challenging part for me. It was just kind of understanding, like if I come across one of those games, that's great, but I'm most likely going to end up those high profile games are the ones that you find on the internet and researching, um, more easily than, you know, a a two, one Southampton victory in, in the middle of January in the snow or something. Right. I think I think my player search kind of was like that too in in how it weeded out some of those lesser known games, um, just because you know, like having been there for having been there for kind of like a, a famous goal um, transcends that moment, transcends that one kind of uh, uh, obscurity. It's like okay, this everyone knows this because of YouTube. Everyone everyone sees this goal happen. Yeah. Um. Right. But yeah. Did you did you come across any individual performances that you felt like deserved to be on the list and didn't and you didn't add to the list? Like no, uh, I actually have one player makes it on a list twice, and I, I have backup games just in case that's not allowed. No, that's fine. But, 
Yeah, one player is on the list twice just for, for two moments or two individual moments where he's just legendary. Great. You want to jump into it? Yes, yeah, do All it. All right. So did you rank them? I I didn't. Uh, kind of, yes, but kind of not. Okay. I'm going to um, I'm gonna go I, from kind of least to most important, but if you don't have that, that's fine, and we can, we can just go back and forth. I'll go first, I, and if you want to try to put them in order, um, as I as I talk about this first one, you can kind of wrap your head around it if you want. Okay. Okay. So my fifth game um, is probably the least uh, tense environment ever played in a Premier League May um, situation. I want. I went back to May seventh, two thousand six, at the Walker Stadium. Leicester City 3, Everton 1. This game had no bearing on anything. Leicester City did not get to play a game and clinch the cup after the game. Um, Tottenham had tied earlier in the week, giving Leicester City the cup mathematically without even having to step on the field. So this was the first game played after Leicester City actually locked up the league. So it was a huge party. In Uh, in 20... in 2016. Okay. So Leicester City had won the cup, had won the league, and had nothing else to play for. This was the first game that they played in Walkers uh, since winning, and it was just a huge party. They won 3-1. They just kind of just ran Everton off the field. Um, Andrea Bocelli, the Italian tenor, sang before the game. Um, the City players, I uh, have a quote here from the BBC, the city players themselves only returned to training for this fixture on Thursday after being given an extra day off to revel in their stunning triumph and presumably to fully recover from a rowdy Monday night at Jamie Vardy's house. Wow. <laughs> so Jamie Vardy just threw yes. a massive party. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the whole week was a party. Lester, you know, they knew they knew on Sunday before this game was played that they had won. So it was a weeks long celebration. And this was this was like the, the capper of the party. Um, and then another funny th- little moment I found was Robert, Ho- Robert Huth, who was, uh, one of their center backs was suspended for the game. And he tweeted before the game going full John Terry today, hashtag full kit, hashtag LCFC. Um, because in 2012, John Terry, who was, uh, banned from playing in the champions league final, uh, wore his full uniform on the sideline, even though he knew he wasn't going to play, um, as kind of like a just a, a moment of togetherness with his teammates. Um, so Robert, <laughs> I thought that was a funny tweet. <laughs> These guys are just loving life. Um, Vardy scored two goals, just missed a hat trick. And it was just a, like a phenomenal coronation. I would pretty much like, this is the equivalent of a, a championship parade um, in Boston, which, you know, we're used to here in Boston. Um, I've been to a bunch of them. Right. Uh, and it would be amazing to have, that atmosphere of like the championship parade put into a stadium and then have a game played in that stadium. It would be really amazing. Um, so I thought that game deserved to get on here. I couldn't really find a Blackburn game from their season that I felt like needed to be on here. They had a really crappy run to the end of the season and barely won the league. They lost on the last day. Um, so that was, I, I needed to have something from those two clubs cause they were the only two winners that we've had on this pod. Um, so Leicester three, Everton one, May 7th, 2016 um, at Walker stadium is my number five. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, I I also chose um I chose a game from from that that historic year. For me though, it was more kind of the moment that fans started really believing this was going to happen. Okay. Um, for me, it was one of two games. It was either Leicester, Leicester against Liverpool, February second, uh, twenty sixteen, or Leicester against Man City, February sixth, twenty sixteen. And in both those games, uh, you just kind of had this air of of confidence, or you you. If you were a neutral, if you were a Leicester fan, or even if you were somebody that was rooting against Leicester, you kind of said to yourself, oh, wow, they actually might do it. Um, in in the Liverpool game, uh, Jamie Vardy scores twice in a 60th and, and a 71st at home uh, for Leicester. And this is a team in that game, they had only 36% possession to Liverpool's 64 and hit maybe about just half of uh, the passes that Liverpool hit. So they were winning that game in typical Leicester fashion of that year of just playing counterattack ball, um, get it forward to to Jamie Vardy, and then have him just go go to town. And I remember watching it, you know, just just as a fan, as a neutral, saying, "Wow, this is this this is it! Like Vardy's gonna do it. Vardy's gonna be Vardy's gonna be the guy to take take him over the line." Um, and I remember in, in that time, in that moment for me as a fan, I remember seeing all these different uh, Jimmy Vardy specials telling his story about how he came from the lower leagues, how he had a really tough time, um, you know, eating like gas station food and, and putting himself through kind of the ringer as a player um, coming up and not being your know, typical academy player, academy star, um, and just being... Uh, I don't know, just like a different, a different blend, different breed. Yeah, the ultimate underdog. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I can kind of hear it now. I have audio clips that I can play and, and show you um, when we go offline of, of the moment where on it's on, you know, um, NBC Sports Soccer. Uh, I, I remember here Robbie Earl, uh, Rebecca Lowe talking about Jamie Vardy and, and Kyle Martino chiming in. Um, you know, just saying like lesser, lesser will do it. Um, and then the other one uh, I, I also chose is just City, and I, I remember for that one, City. I I hear it in my head again. Still, uh, Leicester are not just beating the champions; they are ripping them apart. Um, and it was just kind of this emphatic win. And you know, they'll go on to lose one more time before uh, before they actually win it. But it was kind of just like. In that moment, yep, this is it. This is, the, this is their title to, to lose. Uh, Ranieri's kind of just, um, you know, saying uh, it's free to dream. Uh, dreaming is fun. Right now, we got to kind of go forward and, and play play our best ball and have fun and, and enjoy the moment. This is a beautiful moment. So he's doing his best to kind of, you know, not get too too hyped up, but he's also acknowledging the fact that it's now mathematically theirs to lose. And let's go have a pizza party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was I, I I personally like the the idea or the moment where uh, maybe the fans are are going home after the game or into the pub and they're just talking with their other friends. <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is it. This is our year. Yeah. And and the and, one and the one friend who's like, no way. There's like, there's no. They're gonna find a way to mess it up. And I I believe that was the weekend where, um, where uh bookies started to kind of buy out their bets um 
when they started making offers to different fans who had bets going on and saying, hey, look, we'll buy you out now for 125000 Yeah. Um, so that would, that would have been a cool moment in history to, to, to be a part of. Um, and, and joining in for the rest of that year would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, what a ride that was. Yeah, so it, awesome. really cool. Um, and just kind of a, a little bit of background uh, for this, you know, for this Leicester season. I think pretty cool that we both chose it. it. Like this is, I think, the biggest underdog story in sporting history. Um, I, you know, it, it kind of just caught headlines all over the world. And in in twenty previous seasons, um, only four different teams had won the Premier League. That was not Leicester. Yeah. Um, so. It, it, it kind of really just came out of nowhere. They they spent eleven of the thirteen seasons out of the Premier League. Yeah, there uh, were and there were two two years removed from being in dead last place in in March right, in the Premier right. League, and then and then went on that crazy run, survived, finished in fourteenth place the next year, I think, or a little bit higher, and then won the league. I mean, right, it's just amazing. And 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 they haven't been in top ten since two thousand. Uh, before that, they haven't been in top four since 1963. So this team, I can't think of a better Cinderella story than this team. No, um, yeah. Amazing. I mean, so yeah, so that's that's kind of cool that we both chose it. Um, I have, I have number two loaded up, and I have number three loaded up um, for different reasons. Uh, what do you have? I've. What do you mean? So I, I like, game number two for me. I think is. Second in maybe um, not importance, but more kind of just like what I would have loved to, to be a part of. Okay. Um, I think I have like a, a top, I have a top two, but I don't have a top five. Okay. That makes yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, so do you want to give your, do you want to give your next one and then I'll give mine? I'll give yeah. Number four. All right. Do fire away. Um, so I have uh, Wolves hosting their first series under the floodlights. Cool. At the moment. Um, uh, of the whole series, I, I zero in on Wolves versus Hanved. Um, they, they end up winning this kind of, uh, roller coaster victory, um, like underdog story kind of, kind of game. But I think for me, that whole series where they invite teams from all over the world to compete. And I just imagine it being this festival of, of, of soccer. Like I, I imagine like having all these all these teams from around the world coming into to the Midlands, uh, to the Molyneux, and bringing in this flair of uh, of globalism. Um, and imagine it ha- having been a party. I think that moment in, in soccer history would have been cool to, to be a part of um, as a fan, as as somebody that, you know, I'm imagining 28-year-old Bach going down to, to the Molyneux um, to, to watch Wolves take on Hanved, uh, Hungarian Titan, um, of which the players, the players on that team, just beat England and just demolished England uh, in in the major tournament. And so, kind of like you're seeing, like the, you know, the super teams of, of yesterday's past. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like a, it's like a Barcelona. It was just made up of right. And in fact, three of their players actually go on to, to play for Barcelona and Madrid later on. Puskas being one of them. Um, Puskas, whose award is is uh, given to the player that was the best goal. Um, but so more, more about that kind of story that, that history is basically wolves just got lights into the stadium. Um, and it, 
according to the articles I read, it, it restored uh, English football confidence. It restored their their ability to kind of be proud of themselves uh, after kind of a, a devastating and embarrassing defeat to Hungary um, in in a major tournament. Uh, Hungary came, came into Wembley and just uh, wiped England off the off the map and kind of put them to shame for a little bit. Um, and then, as we discussed in your podcast and our podcast earlier with Wolves, Wolves kind of became a team that just put themselves kind of kind of at the height of, of European of European football, European soccer, being um, one of the few teams with floodlights in, in the game. Yep. Um, they they invite a host teams, but in this in this uh, in this game here um, against Hanved, I I kind of picked that as as the as the best game to be a part of one because they're playing such a kind of a a powerhouse, but two also because it reminded me of Jose Mourinho, uh, his Chelsea team playing against Barcelona um, in the Champions League one year. So Hanved have tons of players that are of a certain ability that can kind of move the ball at, at a quick pace, and Wolves are kind of just like your classic stereotypical English Midland team of you know getting it forward, crossing it into the box, and seeing what happens. Um, Wolves officials, Wolf administrators. Uh, pretty much request that their groundsmen and grounds crew water down the pitch and get it just absolutely <laughs> uh, unplayable for the match um, so that, you know, at, at some point we'll grind them out, grind them down and, and make sure that, that they're just tired and, and kind of just waterlogged um, and can't compete with, with us. So it looks like this game can't have gone any worse for Wolves at the first, at the first start. Um, by by the 14th minute, they're they're two nil down. They, they go into half two two nil down, but you see that their that their opponents um, Hanved coming in get tired, get kind of fatigued, and Wolves come back and win it three two. And a lot of sources kind of point to the Wolves pitch being so shit that that they actually eventually just just came through. Those, um, those heavy legs. Yeah, heavy legs, and in, in the Midlands, you know, I mean, the whole saying of. Can you do it on a Wednesday night in Stoke? I mean, can you do it in the Midlands <laughs> with a with, with a muddy pitch? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I I, I can imagine. Uh, if you look at the pictures from that game. You're looking at like black and white pictures. They're wearing jerseys that look like part samurai um, uniforms or samurai. I don't know attire. It it looks like something right out of of uh, Victory. Um, and yeah, I, I as a fan, I'm, I'm looking at the picture right now. I would love to be just in a hoodie, uh, in the back, just just being a part of this magic. Taking it all in. That's great. Yeah, yeah those. I didn't. Yeah, I, I I found that I didn't I didn't look at a lot of the. My games are more recent, so I'm glad I'm glad you went you went back that far. There were a couple older games that just I just didn't end up putting on here because other ones were were uh, were more interesting to me, but. Uh, being a Molyneux that long ago and knowing that it still exists today um, and that it was, I guess I forgot, I didn't realize the, the turning point for English football at that point. And then what, 10 years later they won the world cup. Yeah. So, um, all right. My number four uh, took place in 1990, a FA cup semifinal between crystal palace and Liverpool. Uh, this game was played at Villa Park. Crystal Palace won four to three, and the game, just as far as a goal fest, um, was an just had an incredible ending. So 
the goals that were scored, uh, Ian Rush scored. This is Liverpool, 1990. They're, they're just kind of trending back towards, um, I don't know, mediocrity after you know tearing through the 80s and winning everything they looked at. Uh, but they still had some guys on the team who were great players, um, Ian Rush being one of them. So Ian Rush scored first. He scored in the 14th minute. And the rest of the goals all came in the second half. So we got six goals in the second half. Um, Mark Bright scored for Crystal Palace in the 46th minute. Gary O'Reilly scored in the 70th minute to make it 2-1 Crystal Palace. And then in the 81st minute, Steve McMahon scores for, uh, for Liverpool. And then in the 83rd minute, John Barnes scores a PK in the 83rd minute, giving uh, Liverpool a 3-2 lead in the span of two minutes. They went from down 2-1 to up 3-2. And then in the 88th minute, Andy A. Gray, not to be confused with the Andy Gray, who um, is a commentator and played for uh, played for Everton in the 80s um, and a bunch of other clubs, the Scottish guy. But Andy A. Gray, a different player, scored for Crystal Palace with two minutes left to tie the game 3-3. And then our friend Alan Pardew um, scored in the 109th minute uh, for a 4-3 Crystal Palace victory. Um so just kind of a bananas game, neutral field, which is always kind of an interesting, I don't think I've, I haven't really been to a lot of neutral field games. Typically I'm either watching my home team from my home stadium or I'm an away fan. Um, and the other kind of interesting part about this game, which doesn't really have much to do with the game, but just how f- football was covered um, in, it's a, a little bit of a watershed moment. So the game was played on a Sunday, um, and it was the first time that BBC actually broadcasted both games of the FA Cup semifinal back-to-back. So one game finished, um, and then the same afternoon, the next game uh, was played. And the other game was a 3-3 tie between Manchester United and Oldham Athletic. And then United had to play a replay in uh, two days later and ended up winning. And United uh, beat Crystal Palace in the in the in the FA Cup final, but it was the first time that like the games were on TV back to back, and just the fact that those two games were so exceptional um, was a really big deal, and kind of really made it very easy for for that coverage to be uh, the, the norm instead of spreading the game. They used to be played at the exact same time, so if you were going to an FA Cup semifinal. You couldn't watch the other game because it was being played at the same time. Um, and just a crazy game. There's a really long, maybe like not, you can watch a 19-minute highlight. Uh, the field is just a mess. The penalty area looks like um, a high school field at the end of the uh, end of the season. Just like the, it's just all chewed up in the middle. Um, big baggy jerseys, and just seemed like one of those games. That as a Crystal Palace fan, not a lot to hold on to um, in your past. That it is probably one of the most famous games that they have had just in the history of the club. Um, not a lot of trophies that they can be proud of. So to get to a, a cup final um, by beating Liverpool and doing it in extra time. Um, and Pardew being kind of a Crystal Palace legend. I thought that game was, was, a, was a good one. I mean, it had... Four goals, three goals scored in the last ten minutes of the game, and a goal in extra time um, struck me as a game I would I would want to be at if I was a Crystal Palace fan. 
yeah. So that's my number. That's my number four. Really, the only Crystal Palace game that was on my radar. I don't think <laughs> I. I don't think I came across any other Crystal Palace games. They did have a great uh, FA Cup final against United, maybe t- four years ago, um, where they lost in extra time, um, maybe two to one. But I didn't really feel like putting putting a loss in here for any team. There's too many too many good games that teams have won. Right. So that's my that's my number four. Okay. Uh, Funny how we're going we're going you're going four five four to one. I'm going one two to five. Okay. So you're going you're going the other way. I'm going I'm going I'm making a uh more interesting are the ones that I'd want to go <laughs> to more. Um I'll go I'll I'll go next. I'll give my number three with uh Everton Ooh. and Sheffield Wednesday. Nice. Nineteen sixty six. So this this gives us two of the ten teams. Um and so did the Leicester City Everton game that I talked about, which was my fifth game. So um, Everton and Sheffield Wednesday played in the 1966 FA Cup final, um, which was obviously a very famous year in English football history. They won the World Cup a few months later. The uh, the Toffees were down two nothing. Um, Sheffield Wednesday scored in the fourth minute, and then again in the 57th minute, and you know. Suddenly, Sheffield Wednesday are looking like they're going to win it, win an FA Cup for the first time in around 30 years. Um, and there's a great little quote here. So the Guardian Observer did a 30 most outrageous sports moments, and this guy wrote, "The anticipation was too much for Toffees fan Eddie Cavanaugh, who staged a solo pitch invasion, resulting in a Keystone Cop style chase the length of the pitch. Cavanaugh proceeded to make a mockery of Her Majesty's Constable Constable Constabulary." Uh, constantly eluding their clutches and even shedding his jacket in the process. Blues player Brian Harris added to the hilarity of the moment by picking up and donning the helmet of one of the floored bobbies. <laughs> this is on YouTube. Oh, wow. So I watched the highlights. Um, the highlights are amazing. You get about seven minutes of pregame in the locker room uh, stuff where the guys are putting on their cleats, getting rubbed downs. They, they have they have a goalie just throwing a ball against a wall and catching it to warm up, um, just like really really funny with the kind of the old, the old fashioned sports announcer guy in the background like I'm not and Everton is are getting ready for the FA Cup final, <laughs> that like really fast talking sports and radio guy. Yeah, um, that's really good, Sean. It's great. Um, so <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I I was born fifty years too early or too late. Um, yeah, so the game, the game was great. Uh, Everton scored three goals in the last thirty minutes of the game. Um, Mike Treblecock, which is a real tough last name, um, yeah. <laughs> scored, scored in the 59th and the 64th minute, and then Derek Temple scored the winner in the 74th minute and scored off because the central defender for Sheffield Wednesday just made a huge mistake, let the ball go by him, and Temple walked in on the goalie and, and scored. Uh, pretty unintruded. Uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were at this game, which I think was was pretty awesome. And I I just appreciated, like I watched a good chunk of highlights from this game. It's on YouTube, 1966. Like the footage is pretty great. Um, it's kind of in like a re-digitized color. Um, so the, the like the quality of play is is pretty good. And it looked like if I was an Everton fan. 1966 they were they had a pretty good decade if i remember correctly uh this was probably the peak of it and 
I don't know, like just to be down two nothing in an FA Cup final with thirty one minutes left and to and then to win three two in regulation um, would have been a pretty fun game to be at. It was at Wembley, you know. Um, got to got to have one game in Wembley, I think, if you're going to have this list. At least I thought so. So that's uh, that's my that's my number that's my number three. Um, I would encourage anybody to to find that to find that link. I will I will add it to the uh, podcast page if you if anyone is interested and want to go look at some links after you listen to this. But yeah, it's it's like really a great 15 minutes of of uh, of watching, and the first seven are are amazing. Great uniforms. The owls have this awesome like blue warm up jacket that just says owls across the back and all white, like very much. Um, like nice. 1960s, it's pretty great. So that was my number. Th- that was my number three. Not a lot of name, big names in that game, but uh, FA Cup final and Everton. So T- Toffee's showing up again on the list. This time they they get a win. Yeah. Um. Cool. So my number three, or I guess my next game, was very much um, uh, driven by. Uh, a name that as a kid I just I just kind of idolized and I just really just um, I don't know lo- loved uh, Tony Yaboa um, is a Ghanaian footballer who played at four leagues yep. from 90s to early 2000s I think he left 2003-2002 uh, um, and Tony Yaboa has I think three or four goals that featured on like old school soccer compilations um for me the the most i guess um vivid memory i have of like those early soccer comp days was um was it uh song two by blur yeah Um, yeah (laughs) it's like all these grainy videos grainy kind of uh goals put together on on uh you know on like a three minute clip and Tony Yaboa is a man who's wearing these like baggy oh, leads yeah. white uniforms and you see him just take touches that like they look a, a bit rough and a bit mechanical, but also are just so smooth. Uh, it, I mean, I'm trying to think like imagine like the Hulk had 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 a soft touch. This, this is a powerful, powerful guy. Um uh playing up top for, for leads. I mean he's a little bit like Treore. If Treore is like the the modern yeah. version of him. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if, you took, if you took Traore and gave him the touch of, I don't know, Drogba and Ibra, you get Tony Yaboa. <laughs> um, and and this goal comes against Liverpool at uh, Ellen Road. And it is early in the season. So it is August 21st, 1995. Leeds win the game 1-0 against Liverpool. And... Um, I'm just going to read you a quote from the article uh, that was written back back in 95, um, The Beauty of the Internet. Um, here we go. Yeboah's two goals against West Ham on Saturday were spectacular enough, but last night's had a quality that threatened to defy physics. Tony Yeboah showed no compromise to a range of 25 yards, dumped a right-foot volley that hurtled through the sultry air and crashed past David James with awesome ferocity. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly sean if, if you have time it's a 25 second clip these words do no justice to how hard this man hit this ball i i watching it again and again and again the, the, tony boa you know it's here it is it's 23 seconds it's tony boa what a goal 
and you see the ball pop off off a header off his strike partner, and he comes onto it on a full volley. The ball goes <laughs> off the bar and comes down, which is, I mean, there's there's no need for VAR. There's no need for anything uh, other than just throwing your hands up in the air and and absolutely going nuts. Uh, they win the game one nil. It's it's early in the season, but everybody's just saying this like this is a top a top goal nominee of the season. Yep. And, and, I, just, and, I just watch it. I've, I remember, I mean, this is a goal I've seen a million times. Right. Uh, and it is probably one of the best goals in the history of the Premier League. Right. I mean, it, it's a great goal. And I think if you're talking about, you know, Leeds being some of the best fans in uh, in our list of podcasts, um, what a place to, to see that goal at Ellen Road against Liverpool of the 90s. So Liverpool is com- coming in there with kind of their, their, their stature. Yep. Um, they've missed for so long and just take that um take that in august uh you know a hot a hot night in august um hot day in august and i can imagine just just again the moment and the fervor that creates uh that that goal creates um i mean what buzz to, to generate um for leads in in early in the season for that um especially at you know such a great great ground to to play football at so some great commentary underneath that youtube video one one guy nautilus 1972 one day ago wrote he scored the two greatest goals of all time in the same season right right uh the 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 one here i i'm reading here is classic thonker yeah (laughs) um but yeah i mean it's uh again I'm, i'm gonna do a lot to post uh either videos or articles of the goals and games that i've mentioned in this podcast but this is one where listeners please do yourself a favor and watch this goal. I think across all sports fans, you can appreciate the, the beauty of, of hitting a ball this hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, number three, all, all because of one goal. Awesome. And I think it's, it's a great goal to, to book a spot at number three. It's a goal Leeds fans still talk about. Uh, Cause I listened to, I listened to a Leeds podcast and Tony Aboa as a player is like a mythological figure in Leeds. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like, they just, he, he somehow comes up in conversation every other podcast that they do. Um, and then they'll automatically talk about that goal for 13 seconds and then they're off. Um, and yeah, and it's great. Or, and just for further reference of how good this goal is, uh, soccer AM is an English or British, uh, TV show, a TV kind of, um, morning show. And Jimmy Bullard, um, is on the show trying to recreate this goal many many times so it's so good that you've got former pros and commentators and pundits just trying to recreate this goal on on a, on a tv show that's amazing so so yes please please uh take a dive and check out this tony Yabogo, but also take a dive and check out um people's trying to trying to recreate <laughs> all right my uh, my number two or do you want to give your your why don't you go next we'll do it snake still and you give your you give your next one okay uh let's do this um yeah so again uh hoping to avoid redundancy or using teams twice but um i i had to go back to tony yaboa and and his uh, time at leeds we're looking at um leeds now against monaco as monaco in september 12th 1995 it's the first leg of the uefa cup so this is before it's called champions league um and yaboa helps or leads leads to to win three nil at monaco with a hat trick and the clip here i i can't really 
do it justice, but it's it's a six minute clip, and Tony Boa just looks like he's just unstoppable, unplayable. Uh, he's a man who looks possessed. He's a man who looks like he's on a mission to conquer the world. Um, I think for me, most of the romance of of this game just comes from you know Leeds's history. I mean, Leeds now is is on the cusp, on the brink of uh, getting promoted. They're they're under a, a revolution, and they're kind of you know falling off, or, or the younger crowd at least my generation has forgotten how good leads leads have been um but this just shows like where, where they used to be this shows kind of the the former might that, that they that they wielded um and further kind of cements tony yaboa's uh, you know place in in football folklore uh he belongs in the pantheon of, of gods that play this is a like he, he's just no frills black boots tied underneath the boot He's got quads that look like tree trunks, um, and he scores goals any any way he can. Uh, his first goal is a improvised bike um, as he's falling down, fall behind him. Um, he's a great it's a great goal. I, again, I, I'll post all these links uh, later on. But wow, uh, to see Leeds in Europe, to see Leeds take, taking on Monaco, who's got incredible bankroll and incredible uh, financial um, power, is 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 amazing and. I just really, really hope to see Leeds uh, in the Prem again. Was that game at Monaco as well? It was. Yeah, so, I mean, good, good call on just going to Monaco if you wanted to go see a game. Yeah, I mean, Monaco. Um, so yeah, no, and and in in a video that I'm looking at right now, like uh, you see some tackles that would make Neymar bleed just just looking at them. I mean, this 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 is a different kind of game, different kind of era and and time period. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's 1995, right? Yeah, I mean it's 25 years ago, and the early 90s is just guys are just clattering each other. Yeah, a, a time of black, you know, black cleats, black boots. Nobody's really messing around. Um, nobody's uh, there, but and you know, but to play soccer. Yeah, no, there's there are no brands on that field. <laughs> no, there's, no, you're just, you're just one of eleven, right? Trying to win so, a game. It's special to, to to see Leeds in Europe, and I, I hope uh, we get to, to that point sometime later on in the year. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, you talk about Leeds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna keep Leeds, and yes. we're gonna keep Leeds in Europe. Yes. So, I was looking at Leeds games in. I knew they made a. I knew they made a run to the semifinal of the Champions League um, in 2000. So, I kind of went back and and poked around at some of those games that they played in because uh, I assumed and hoped that, that one would be on this list uh, that would be good enough to be on this list. And there were a few. Um, they had two really great games against AC Milan in the mm-hmm. first group stage. So they had to qualify through the you know the early stage qualifying. Um, so they beat 1860 Munich to get actually into the tournament. Um, and then in the group stage, they drew AC Milan, Barcelona, and I can't remember the fourth team right now because I don't have it in front of me and it would, they were not very good. Leeds beat them six, nothing, um, in one of their games. So just, they were kind of the, the whipping boy of the group, but everyone assumed that AC Milan and Barcelona were going to make it through Barcelona beat Leeds four, nothing in the opening round game. And Leeds had to go had to host AC Milan in, in uh, match day two, and it was I've I watched the video of this. It was 
to use a British term, it was lashing rain <laughs> the entire game. Um, like every player, like you said, you re- you referenced the big jerseys. 2000 was still a time where guys were, <laughs> guys were wearing jerseys with sleeves down past their elbows, um, really baggy. I, it's amazing um, why they thought that was why they thought that was good. Um, but so all these guys are just dripping wet and everything is hanging off them. Um, and you know, AC Milan has the likes of Maldini playing in the back (laughs) for them. Shevchenko, Oliver Bierhoff and Leeds. Leeds is missing. Harry Kuehl is out. Woodgate is out. Mark Viduka, who was their kind of, uh, golden boy striker who is Australian, um, was called up for Olympic, some sort of Australian Olympic qualifier. Um, and he was not playing either. So they were they were admittedly missing maybe three of their best players. Um, they're at Ellen Road, and they managed to win this game one nothing on a Lee Bowyer 89th minute goal. And the goal, yeah, Lee Bowyer. Um, and you know the goal is scored, and the the goal is a huge howler uh, by the keeper just completely messed up. He he moves to his left, catches the ball right next to the post, and because he is just a wet dog and everything is soaking wet and the ball is slippery, it hits his hands, goes to the ground, looks like it hits off his knee or his foot, and then goes into the side netting into the goal. Uh, Ellen Road goes crazy. Um, the announcer says this could be a famous night uh, and a famous victory for Leeds. It ends up being that. Uh, on that same night, Barcelona tied with the fourth team in the group and uh, kind of opened the door for Leeds to potentially get through. Um, Leeds beat that fourth team 6 nothing. like I said. They managed to uh, tie with Barcelona. Um, and then the last night of the, of the group stage, they tie AC Milan back in the San Siro 1-1 on a Don Mateo, Dom Mateo header and end up nudging Barcelona out of uh, advancement into the second group stage. So that AC Milan leads game at Ellen Road, one nothing, drenched, soaking wet. Um, it would be a completely miserable game to be at, but it was. it's also one of those games, like, if you're a Leeds fan, that's a game you're at. Right. You don't care what right. the weather's like. AC Milan is in town, and they're in your backyard to play the only t- the only club in your city. Um that would be my number. That's my number two game of all of these teams. It would it would have been incredible, and I would have had pneumonia for probably a month <laughs> afterwards. But well, well, but completely worth it. And yeah, and the game just looked looked great. I mean, the the talent on AC Milan just to be able to see players uh, like that. Those are, those are that was really the roster I looked at and thought like, oh, this is a this is a team you you can't miss. Right. Um, I mean, Maldini just running the back is. It's just masterful. So that's my number two. Good old Leeds. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just hard to avoid Ellen Road or avoid kind of like a team that has a great football culture. And when, when you have fans that, you know, uh, make it all the better, it's just it, that game is just that much more fun to be at. Okay, so before we get to our last ones, I have a, I have a question. Okay. Okay, so I want you to picture yourself. I mean, you're 28 right now. 28. Yeah. Okay. Getting up there, Sean. Yeah. 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 I know, man. <laughs> um, at, 
at your soccer playing peak, whenever okay. that was. Okay. If you took that, like just that version of you, what era could that version of you be a professional footballer? Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see this. Jeez. Uh, like how far back would you have to go? I am definitely not playing football in the fifties with Hanved. <laughs> uh, no, there's no way. Um, hmm. I'd say, all right, first of all, the height of my playing career might have been around 19 years old. Okay. So maybe then add, add whatever that is, add like a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of probably physical strength, right? As a 19 year old, you're. Yep. Yep. You know. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, like, could you have played in the 40s? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I think too. I think I could, I could probably hack, I could have hacked it in the 40s. I could have played like right back. Right, like I mean, the, the ball like, down the sideline. They were eating, you know, they were eating like like meat and potatoes at halftime and drinking whiskey. <laughs> like they didn't really know anything about like nutrition or what happens when you drink whiskey at halftime <laughs> or smoke, you know, a whole a whole pipe, um, you know, after a game. Um, yeah, I think I think at forties is my is would be mine. That's that's where I would. I don't know because I, I mean, I, again, looking looking at at the nineties right now, like. Seen some of those tackles. Uh, I mean, I just finished the Diego, Diego Maradona documentary on uh, his time at Napoli. Like, there's some rough tackles, man, in, in those years. Are you talking I, about the HBO one? Yeah. Oh, did, you had you never seen it before? I have. I, okay. I, I, I watched it again just because you know, I have nothing to do in, in this uh, kind of weekend of, of being inside. Um, I don't know, man. I, I it has to be early 2000s oh you think you could play in the early 2000s at 19 maybe oh wow because you're 60 you're 60 years ahead of me only because there's just some like decorum to like how you play the game like the 50s had no rules (laughs) the 50s like i mean come on imagine going to 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 wolves and it's wolves hanved there's no way anything in there is is legal nowadays that's true um i would just play right back and just put me in let me play right back i'll be the one doling out the hits like i don't know not 90 90s is too rough for me 90s has some bloody bloody tackles yeah uh and i I just can't imagine myself defending people like tony oboa yeah not that like the 2000s have anybody you know more fun to defend it's just there's just a little more tactical uh noose to, to the approach of defending okay that's fair so i'm more blocked by the sy- systemic or systematic way of of defending in, in a block of four or a block of five <laughs> yeah all right uh I, let's get to uh let's get to our top or my topic i guess okay um yeah because i this it's my turn uh, back around here all right, so this is the one I knew was going to be number one unless i was blown away by something in my research and i wasn't we're going to go to 1985. Okay. We're going to go to Goodison Park. We're going to be there with 50,000 other people. And we're going to watch Everton play Bayern Munich in the Cup Winners' Cup semifinal. Wow. A 3-1 win for Everton. Um, I remember watching the documentary about Everton and the, the eight 1980s team. 
uh, Kendall's way. Um, Howard Kendall was the manager. And watching Andy Gray, the Andy Gray, not Andy A. Gray, um, and some of his teammates talk about that night and then reading a little bit about that night, um, it it seems like it was just like completely magical, uh, never been louder, never had more energy. Um, it was the second, it was the second leg of this match. So Everton managed to go to Munich and get a zero, zero tie. Um, Everton trailed one, nothing at halftime. It was the first goal that Everton had allowed in European competition that year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then unite and then Everton came back and scored in the 48th minute on Graham Sharp scored Andy Gray scored in the 73rd minute. And then Trevor Steven locked it up with a goal in the 86th minute. Um, just one of those games. It's a semifinal. They ended up winning and beating um, Rapid Vienna in uh, Rotterdam, um, you know, a week later or whatever to win the Cup Winners' Cup. So this game is kind of like the the miracle for the United States where people forget that game was not the gold medal game when they beat the, when they beat the USSR. It was the semifinal, and this game was a semifinal, which maybe makes it a little less exciting. But the fact that it was in Goodison Park, it was the second leg of of uh, of the Cup Winners' Cup, and watching some of the players talk about that night, um, it was the peak for Everton. It was their moment because they were robbed of a bunch of other opportunities to play in Europe after the Hillsborough disaster. And uh, this game is the game I would want to be at the most of any club's game that we uh, that we have researched thus far. I think it would have been a great night. The highlights and the videos I've, I watched were looked awesome. Um, so, and Goodison Park is just highly underrated, I think, as a place to watch a game. Yeah. So, yeah. Everton was on my list three times. They won twice and they lost to Leicester City. Um, but I think that's that shows their their clout as a club over over a long period of time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, two European uh, games for me to to wrap it all up, but and who wouldn't want to see Bayern Munich, you know? Yeah, seriously. Um hmm. I think Wow, oh, wow, okay. Um what are you thinking? Yeah, I was I was wondering who was on that Bayern roster for that game. Yeah, so I I looked I, I went back and looked through and um I gotta give Transfer Market a quick shout out because they have a ton of information on old games and like lineups and um just all the anything you'd want from a game in nineteen eighty five. Uh, so Lothar Mateus is the only name that I really recognized off of, off of the roster. The big name to recognize. Yes. I mean, just, a a, a, a hero, um, and a legend, but everyone else, uh, just did not stand out to me in the reading I was doing. Uh, Dietar Honels is a 32 year old center forward who I think was uh, a very well-known, very good player kind of at the tail end of his career. And then another name that they talked about and wrote about uh, in kind of glowing terms was uh, Ludwig Kogel. Uh, his okay. last name is spelled K-O-G-L. He was a 19-year-old left midfielder um, who kind of set up the one goal that Honels scored. And I assumed that, you know, he kind of fizzled out because this German team was so excellent going forward going forward um, from 1985 for the next, you know, 
I guess almost 10 years and I had never heard of him. So Kogel and Mateus and Honels were the three names that were kind of written about really heavy German squad. I mean, they had one Norwegian and a Belgian in their starting lineup and all the other, all the nine other players were, were Germans. So I don't know if Kogel, like what his deal was as far as we got West Germany and how that breakdown, how that breakdown worked back in the eighties. Um, but yeah, not, not like a, a heavy, a big heavy bear lineup. And it was a cup winners cup. It wasn't the, it wasn't the European cup. Right. Um, so they, they might've been just in some down years. Another cool part about this match was, and then I'll let you talk about yours. Um, was Liverpool was playing the same night in the semifinal of the European cup and they made the finals of the European cup. So, you know, in the span of, of one night, Everton and Liverpool both qualified for, you know, European championship matches, um, which is, which is kind of neat for, for Merseyside. I think it's probably the only time that's ever happened. So, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of a neat thing. Of course, a, uh, also, just a perfect uh, example of the relationship between those two clubs that Everton qualifies for a final and Liverpool one-ups them by qualifying for the better final. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big little brother. Yeah, exactly. Um, how about you? What's your last game? My last game um, kind of just goes uh, and follows my my theme of like players making big names for themselves. Um, and I really just... I don't know. I, I really want to see kind of the, the beginning, the origin stories of, of Gareth Bale. So I go to any any season, um, sorry, any any game during the season of Gareth Bale's time at uh, Southampton. Awesome. Yeah. So we go back to 06. Uh, Gareth Bale is playing left back for Southampton in the championship. And, and he's like 12 years old. <laughs> he's an academy product. He just came up. He's 18, 19 years old. Um, he's got, you know, like big ears, uh, hair that looks like he belongs in fourth grade. Um, and for me, Gareth Bale is a player who, who I just never really got on the, back, the, the bandwagon for. Um, I remember his time at Tottenham, all my college roommates, college uh, classmates were just saying, when, when do you need Bale to, you know, what, what do you need Bale to do for you to kind of jump on, on this bandwagon right now? I'm like, I, I, I need to see more, I need to see more, I need to see more. And next thing you know, I mean, his his last year at Tottenham, he's just banging in goals from 35, 40 yards, like nothing. Um, and he goes on to win four Champions Leagues for, for Real Madrid. So, you know, it's for, for a player to start out as an academy product and then play in a championship for Southampton, um, to go on to probably the, the highest you can go. I mean, you don't get much better than that uh, at Southampton, sorry, um, at, at Madrid winning four, four Champions Leagues um, for, uh, for Los Blancos. So I think for me, Bale's got to be, uh, you know, locking in num- number five for me as, as, a, as, as a player, as, as a moment in history. Um, that one's not really for kind of anybody to get jealous of it's, it's just more for me um i i like having having seen where someone where someone's been and, and where someone is um i really i really enjoy 
you know, football story, football's kind of romance and, and the, the idea of, of a young kid dreaming, a young kid just trying to, you know, crack into the first team and, and I don't know who can, who can tell him, Hey, in, in 10 years time, you'll be playing for Real Madrid. Yeah. Scoring goals in champions league finals. Right. Um, and, and having big time, you know, saves and classicos and, and different and different, uh, matches over the years. Um, so yeah, I'm, I apologize for not, for not giving Bale his credit, um, when he was at, at, at Spurs, maybe because he was a Spurs player, but I also, um, recognize that he's probably one of the names that will go down as one of the greatest players in this kind of decade or generation. Yes, we're in an, an era of Messi Ronaldo, um, you know, but Gareth Bale deserves his credit. Yeah, he, sure. he feels to me like a, one of those players who, you, when people sit down to talk about the first 20 years of this century, um, you know, Messi Ronaldo come up and then you'll have the, you'll have the guys who played on those Spanish teams. Right. Um, and some very smart, thoughtful soccer fan will say, well, like, what about Gareth Bale? Right. That guy, that guy won a bunch. He led a Welsh team to what did they make the semifinals of the European cup? Yes. Yes. He, he, I mean, the, he's nicknamed the, the Welsh fire breathing dragon. Yeah. Um, he's, he's kind of taken Wales and just done wonders with them as a team um put him put him back on the map um his his stats speak for themselves as, as a player who's gone on to some crazy crazy heights um his goals per game ratio uh kind of was you know comparable and up there with, with that of ronaldo's when, during during cr7's time at madrid um and really just make sure that um you know we as fans uh, remember his name yeah, uh, uh, I'm trying to bring up his accolades right now. Yeah, I mean, in f- almost 500 games, he scored 166 goals. So we're we're looking at just around um, a goal every every, or you know, four games. Two, yeah, two fifths of, of his time, he's he's scoring a goal. Yep, on the field, and and he's a guy who's coming from left back and kind of cut himself a, a new position of this inverted winger. A left-footed player playing on the right, cutting inside and, and smacking it from 30, 30 yards. Um, there was a time when he even pushed off Ronaldo, you know, off, off free kick duty. It's a shame that players uh, and fans don't really give him the honor that, that that he deserves. I mean, you know, fans now like hate him and and want him out of of Madrid, uh, but they just forget like what he's done for their, their club. He's brought them home their their coveted decima, the the 10th European trophy for Madrid and and you know, gone on to, to even um greater heights than that. So for me, yeah, Gareth Bale, Southampton, I mean who else can say they they've been on a team that has produced a Champions League winner? Um in, in Gareth Bale. Right. So so not not the most thrilling game. I definitely kind of pale the comparison to the Everton Bayern Munich, but um, give me give me Gareth Bale Millwall in a championship, <laughs> and just, and just saying you know what like that kid will go play for, for Real Madrid and yeah. have everyone around me say yeah all right nice job, you know you've had you've had one too many chippy buddies you've had too many sandwiches, um, relax. But yeah, very this good. Is, this is this is my list. Um, it is player driven, moment driven, 
Um, but definitely something that I, I had a lot of fun kind of mapping out and, and just checking out. So before we wrap up, why don't, why don't you give your five just as a recap? Okay. Um, so we go Leicester, uh, Leicester against Liverpool in February, 2016, um, in that magical run of their, of their, uh, title run. Yep. Uh, as number one, Wolves v. Hanved in the 50s uh, when they first opened up their, their first floodlights at the Molyneux. Um, and imagining the, that one game against Hanved is kind of this like cherry on, cherry on the cake um, after a whole series of, of European uh, delight at the Molyneux. Number three is Yoboa's wonder strike against Liverpool um, in uh, 95, August 95. Number four is Monaco Leeds in September 95, uh, Yeboah's hat-trick against Monaco. And number five is um, Millwall uh, and Southampton. <laughs> no six. Uh, Academy product, young kid, just got his first debut um, and will go on to tell one of the best football stories in the world of playing for Madrid, playing you know under lights um, at, as, a, as a Galactico, as, as a Blanco. So you're... you're uh... That Gareth Bale thought made me think, man, it would have been interesting to put or even look a little bit closer at like a Wayne Rooney debut at Everton or one of those. So that came those up, games that came up for me, but unfortunately, one of his best goals came against against, against Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> put that on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the the commentator just saying and introducing sixteen year old Wayne Rooney was was really cool to to hear, but yeah, came at Arsenal's expense, so can't do it. I, not on my list. Um, all right, so mine was number one for me was Everton Bayern Munich 1985 uh, Cup Cup semifinal. Uh, number two was Leeds AC Milan in 2000, a one nothing win on a Lee Bowyer 89th minute goal uh, in the in the lashing rain. Uh, number three was Everton Sheffield Wednesday in the 1966 FA Cup final, uh, where Everton won three to two over the Owls. Uh, number four for me was the FA Cup semifinal between Crystal Palace and Liverpool. Crystal Palace winning 4-3 after in a in a crazy game. And then finally, the uh, the Leicester City party um, at the end of the season that you referenced in 2016, um, where they beat Everton 3-1 and they all the fans got to show up knowing that the the cup the League Cup was theirs, and uh, even Robert Huth dressed up for the for the occasion. So after a Jamie Vardy party on a Monday night. Just great stuff. So those are my five. That's a good list of 10. Yeah, seriously. Good list of 10. Um, yeah, so we'll be back next week. I don't even think we know what we're going to do next week, but we will have, we're going to, we'll talk about it and figure out how we uh, keep talking about soccer when there is no soccer being played. Trust me, we will not we will, uh, have too much of a problem. We will find a way. Um, exactly. All right, Bothwell, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, take care of themselves. Take care of others by taking care of yourself. And uh, and we will talk to you next week. Week. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Bye.